Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, this isn't. I couldn't think of anything else clever for this intro. For Night Quest the Crusade, you're listening to The Run. It is The Run. This is The Run. It is The Run. The Hi, hello. How you doing? I'm your host, David Boyce. This is The Run, the comic book podcast where we look at runs, be it creators, characters, or sagas. With me today, as always, is Jonathan Kovacs. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. You could have called it the quest for total patheticness or something like that. I don't pathetic-ness. know. But... Superman 4, the quest for peace. <sighs> Batman, you're, sh- you're showing the, the... your hand right away. Uh, it doesn't matter. This, <laughs> this episode, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. And... Uh, Remotely from the other side of the continent, Christopher Boyce, how are you? Uh, I'm not going to lie, not too good. I've been sick all week. Um, Pretty phlegmy, pretty gross, but I'm feeling a lot better today. So I'm going to keep it together and talk about this, this, uh, this here crusade. All right, cool. So the crusade, we have Asriel as Batman now, as bats. We're going to probably interchange calling him as bats batman Azrael, sean paul but for all intents and purposes bruce wayne is not bringing up going to be brought up in this episode except for maybe a cameo here and there so whenever we say batman we're not referring to him just to avoid any confusion out the gate when's the last time you guys read this chris this is my first time ever reading this part you've never read this uh so you've never read the crusade at all yeah, just the nightfall. As soon as Azrael beat up Bane, that was the end of it. And I never really knew what happened after that with Azrael. Okay, so you're coming in with this fresh eyes. Jonathan, what about you? Uh, yeah, I haven't. I never read this before we started doing this. Uh, I just remember I used to have some of the older trades for the nightfall. And the funny thing is, the one trade jumps immediately from Who Rolls the Night to... Night's End? Yeah, it's Night's End, I guess. In between the two trades at night's... Who rolls the night as Batman's wearing one suit, and then once night's end starts, he's wearing a completely different suit. And I'm always like, I thought there was stuff in the middle. And it was. It took me a long time to realize that, and it's been a while. And then I was able to get the trades now. So Yeah, this has been reprinted and done multiple times with stuff being omitted and forgotten about or published under a different read order. So this is very confusing. They just recently, you have the two trades there, which came out. This year, I think. Yeah, it just actually recently came out because they also put out a third trade that has all of the search in it. Yeah, the search, which is the Bruce Wayne portion of him trying to find Jack Drake and Dr. Consolving and trying to get his back better. That was intermingled with the crusade because, Chris, I don't know if you noticed, I talked to Jonathan with this off mic. There was no numbering order for this on the covers like Nightfall was. Yeah, I noticed it was really confusing because after the first two issues, I just went to the next issue of Detective Comics and I it just seemed like the story completely changed on me. Yeah, they did this thing where it was a big crossover, but you didn't have to read everything. It was kind of like how the issues of Shadow of the Bat where the Scarecrow was screwing around and it was its own little self-contained story while the rest of Who Rules the Night was going around. Yeah, and for the most part, it worked up until, until the, the end, end where whatever issue of Batman that is, the timeline doesn't, the timing doesn't make sense with the story where... And he's mentioning he, villains he, from the other book. 
which is fine, which makes sense that he would. But again, the timing between what happens in that book and the timing between the other between Batman and Detective Comics, the timing doesn't match up unless something happens. We'll get to that in a little bit. It's not confusing because you're like, okay, I understand what they did. It's disorienting. Yes, and we we talked about this briefly that you you mentioned you don't think back in the day writers were as in flow with each other as they are now. Yeah, it was harder to get in touch with everyone. On I, I disagree page. with that. I think that it could just as easily gotten... It's easier now, like with, like you said, the digital technology to have that stuff so they see it. But uh-huh. it, it's just a phone call away to talk to your editor and be like, what's he doing? What's the story doing? What's my doing? What's this character doing? How's this intersect? I'm not saying it didn't happen, uh-huh. but I call BS that it shouldn't have happened as poorly as it kind of did and it's not bad it's just kind of irritating it's kind of annoying it's kind of just doesn't make sense it's just it's frustrating i guess right well before we get into it let's uh, run down all the writers and artists because there's a lot of them writers as always chuck dixon and doug monk alan grant mary joe duffy artists graham nolan tom grummet mike manley barry kitson jim ballant Vince, Ooh. yeah he's back again cheesecake boy vince i'm gonna butcher this name giarino and Brett Blevins. So we're going to go through this, but not as in detail. We're just going to talk about the overhead beats, what we liked, didn't like, the villains. So we got Azriel, who we all agree was an awesome fight against Bane. There was a great issue of him taking down Bane and becoming Batman, getting the mantle. And it was his show now. Right out the gate, this thing trips over its own balls and has this new Batman not go after the Joker right away or Killer Croc, who is still out there. Mr. Freeze, well, he does, but we'll get to that. You want to see him take on the A-list guys and his version of taking them down compared to Bruce's version. We get two cowboys right out the gate that are twins, the Trigger Twins. Did you guys... So, <laughs> yeah. so I did not know who the Trigger Twins were um, and the way they're introduced where they're just like... Hey, what a coincidence. We look exactly the same and we don't know each other. I thought this was like some infinite crisis shit that was going on maybe at the time of like alternate universes crossing over potentially. So I'm just like, oh, that's a weird thing to introduce to the new Batman. And no, it's just twin cowboys. That's it. Yeah. Robbing a bank at the same time, but not in Gotham. And they have both planned on going Going to to Gotham Gotham after this. It's absolutely bizarre. These are... I wouldn't say a reboot, but a updated version of the Trigger Twins from the 50s DC comics, which was... Oh, is that who? I, I, I wasn't really sure. They're not the same characters, but they're like an all-star Western yeah, comics okay. and shit like that. I disagree with you. I Well... You said you like these guys. Out of all this stuff, I like most of what Chuck Dixon wrote in Detective. So I was... I like this story and all the a lot of what Dixon did. The other writers, their stuff just fell apart and... and the the art in Detective Comics was better than the other ones, so I I like well, yeah we agree the run on Detective better. The thing I liked the most about it actually was they set up the Bat Subway car. I thought that was fucking awful. What about you, Chris? I liked it too because oh, um, I've the only reason though is because I thought it was su- really stupid in Batman versus Predator three, which was one of the first comic book graphic novels I ever purchased in my life mm-hmm. so the bat train was in that and he tries a predator to the hood of it and to see it like pop up here i guess for the first time i would imagine i was just like oh hey there's gonna be a predator tied to that thing later on <laughs> yeah so harold the hunchback batman's mechanic who's still living in the cave down there he's he built a train but he never told anyone and the whole point of this story i think was just to have 
an updated version of a Wild West train robbery because the Trigger Twins end up working for a crime boss who wants to go after a money train and Asriel stops them. But they're robbing a train, but it's a subway. So Batman needs a getaway or a subway car to go after them. I guess. But I think it's just I like- an updated version of an old Western type story. Yeah. Right out the gate. I think the story would have worked better somewhere down in the middle of the story. But right out the gate, you have this badass Batman. He's going after these two dumb redheaded t- cowboy twins with revolvers. You want to see him go after Killer Croc. Yeah, I guess. But I liked, like I said, I liked the subway because in theory, the way they wrote it, he was saying, well, I can get to Gotham in minutes where it used to take the same thing. like miles per hour. Well, yeah, but like (laughs) the same thing like with the gauntlets and a lot of other stuff. And again, right off the bat, he immediately does something where he says he adjusts the gauntlets so that devices or his tools are closer to his wrists. Meanwhile, he only uses... He, was, he only uses three different items in the entire run. His shurikens, his grappling hook, and then a gas grenade later on, which is still in the stupid belt pouch. They introduced a lot of really cool mechanics for this character that just could have been used very well. And we'll see later on if any of it sticks around, which I, I doubt that it does. And it, it just it was it was a waste of it, it just it was a waste of an idea and it's just depressing. I find it depressing that they didn't keep using some of that. That's all right. The bat train, like how you mentioned the logistics of it, I agree with that. But with the way that, um, what is this, Detective uh, 667, 668, like the way they it ends and leads into the next one, I really didn't notice it because it just wasn't drawn very bombastically. Um, but the final panel is Batman's in this bat train, and he's going headfirst into a subway. Um, yes. But the way it's drawn, it's not. It just looks like he's kind of trailing the subway instead. So he's probably twenty feet in front of this thing, and it starts with him right there, and him hitting a button to make it do a one eighty and shoot rockets out to go the other way. And I was like, okay, I can get on board with this now. Yeah, that was a little goofy. Uh, sci- like if you go down the science route, it's just like he has twenty feet with. With him going 300 miles per hour, and he reverses thrusters and jets away, and I think he burns up the train car, doesn't he? It catches yes. on fire, but yeah. yeah. So that's, that shows some of his recklessness, which is good, because that's a big theme that keeps getting driven into our heads as he's reckless. Yeah. But he ends up stopping the Trigger Twins from robbing the bank, or robbing the money train, and it was a nothing disappointing burger for me. After the Trigger Twins, at the end, Robin and Azrael confront each other. And Asriel's about to rip him in shreds. Chris, you didn't have the issues for this because there was a couple of Robin issues where there's the aftermath of that, which is a couple pages of Robin getting Asriel under control and then leaving and ditching each other. And I don't know why that wasn't collected in the one or let you read, but... Yeah, I don't know why. Well, that's probably uh, why this feel this story felt so disjointed as well. Yeah, it's, if you go to the next chapter, it's just he was strangling Robin in the Batcave and letting the system take over. And the next issue that doesn't make mention of that at all, but Robin escapes and this is the start of his own series, but Jonathan wanted to mention real quick what they inserted into this collection. Cypher is in prison with clue master of all people who, if none of our listeners know he's poor man's Riddler. And I guess they set him to be up. I think he was the main villain for Robin's run for a while. I'm guessing I never read it past. He was a, he was a joke character in the eighties justice league as well. (laughs) Was he? He showed up more recently in the current stuff, but he's just a poor man's Riddler in my opinion. Um, But Cypher is in prison with him and he helps him escape because he can hypnotize the one. He's a guy that hypnotized hypnotized Lucius Fox in the prelude to Nightfall. And then basically they shoot him and just leave him to die in the sewer, which is kind of nice. But I just wanted to mention that. (laughs) Yeah, I knew he died. Okay, so the next two villains we got here 
are probably worse than the Trigger Twins. Tallyman. Tallyman. Oh, and he's horrible. Mekros. Oh, is Necros. he? He's the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They're so the Tallyman. He looks like he was drawn by Greg Capallo or Todd McFarlane. The way he is shown, he's a weird, smiley, tall guy that's kind of lurpy. He seems like he's eight feet tall. He has a cape over him that's living, but not really living. It's just the way the artist has fun with the art. Yeah, that's this. This it's just bad. Chris, have you ever heard of Tallyman or Mecros before this? Probably not. I think Tallyman was in No Man's Land. But no, I've never heard of either of these guys, um, and I couldn't tell like, what the fuck was going. I'm like, th- like this Tallyman came out of left field in the art style, and it does look like image like just bled right into the DC comic style. And it was very just bizarre. I couldn't tell if he was flying or falling or what the hell was going oh, on. Oh, yeah. He definitely seems to have superpowers, this tally man. He is out to collect a debt on Batman from some employer. And he doesn't. Re- he's an assassin, but he doesn't require money. He takes lives. That's his payment. I couldn't remember. I read it a while ago, but, I, but it's just not- so bad. And I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't reread it because it's just it's so <laughs> it's so stupid. And like you said, they purposely tried to mimic McFarlane and they did a horrible job. They created a horrible character. Yeah, he's and just I'd be interested to read the No Man's Land to see what he changes in because he I know he, he shows up a little bit later face. on. He works oh, for okay. Face. It's just stupid. His generic origin is his mom was extorted for money by the mob, but he eventually kills the mobster because they his dad Well it was just his, his the mobster dad was the deadbeat landlord is all. And he just yeah, kept, but his kept dad stealing owed money. money, but his dad was dead. So the mom had to keep paying. And eventually after so much abuse from this landlord mobster, he killed the mobster. And then he went to jail and his mom killed herself and he was sad. So he became the tally man to take lives. It's yeah, it's just, it's, he bad. also shows himself. It seems like he's flying at one point when he's fighting Batman up in some building, jumping out of buildings, but they don't allude to the fact that he has superpowers. He's just some, weirdo with a hat and a phantom of the opera mask yeah and like you said it really he's really skinny or at least the way they draw him yeah it's it's just a bad it's it's really horrible uh, unfortunately it's really 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 bad tally man sucks ass chris anything else on tally man for you or that story uh <laughs> almost worse than metalhead how dare you the only uh the only thing that uh this story really drove forward was the fact that Azriel mutilated, I guess, Tallyman, and the detectives uh, find him at the end like, oh, he's really, he doesn't look so good. And that was it. That was it. And it was two issues of just so we can get that little, oh, it's not Batman. Yeah, Batman's more violent. Woo. Mekros. Oh, God, it's a fucking conf- there's this mercenary called Mekros, and there's a confusing-ass mob plot that I had to reread. I like, thought Mekros was just a, the suit. No, it? it's the assassin that's in the suit. Let me set okay. it up. It's a confusing-ass mob plot, and it's double-crossing each other. The Batman wants the mob bosses to set up and double-cross each other, but the one mob boss has an assassin who has his own version of the system, Azrael's programming, that he recites out loud to himself over and over and over again, and they fight. And it's more so something to say that his program, Mekros's programming is more in control than Azrael's because when Azrael's programming takes over, he becomes a loose cannon. He can't control himself. So he's well, trying to depends think. Depends on the definition of your. Uh, well, he's trying. Yeah. They're setting it up so he's trying to take control of his power instead of just letting it run rampant. And throughout this entire story, as well, this crusade, he has visions of Saint Dumas and his father telling him about this crusade and how he has to cleanse Gotham from the evil. Well, that doesn't start for a little bit. Well, it starts right off the bat. Did it? I yeah, it but that's the other thing about this thing. 
that is so inconsistent with his visions. You can go multiple issues without a vision from St. Dumas or his father showing up to give him guidance. I thought that didn't start till like the end of the first half. No, it starts right off the bat. No, I missed that then. Macro sucks ass. He beats he beats someone that has a better system programming than he does. Anything <laughs> anything else we're missing about this? No. Chris? It takes four goddamn pages to introduce Macross, and it's with the mobsters talking, with him like suiting up, kind of like in the Schulmacher movies when Batman gets suited up. Arm piece. <laughs> yes. Leg piece. Yeah. And, yeah, and he likes to talk about about Phoenix is always rising. So that's part of his programming words. Okay. But yeah, he's fucking terrible. apparently. Yeah. There's a, there's a panel where, yeah. Macross has roller skates in 502. Yeah. His in, ro- yeah. Oh, wow. That's really loud. He has roller blades. <laughs> I noticed that too. Gets in and gets his ass kicked. Yeah. Again, the story is just bad. <laughs> Three fucking losers right out the gate. So I, I just want to point out that, uh, you're talking about Azrael having visions yeah. And the first thing it shows up is when he goes into an isolation tank. So I wonder if that, like, I never really noticed that until you mentioned that and just looked at this again. But I wonder if that kickstarts the insanity that happens later on because he went into that isolation tank during the Tallyman stuff. And that's when he, it's like two or three pages where it just rehashes what happened, everything before. But that's where he first has like a weird vision. And I don't know, I've never been in one of those, but I've heard that if you went, you have some pretty spacey visions when you, do that stuff. All right. So we're finally going to see some promise here when I look at the cover and get confused for the next issue where Mr. Freeze shows up. I was pretty sure this was Mr. Freeze. Kelly Jones, we've already said his art's kind of weird when it comes to certain characters, especially Catwoman. It took me a lot. It literally took me three rereads to make sure this was Mr. Freeze. They don't mention Mr. Freeze until like the last couple of pages. Well, because his armor shows up, but the coloring, it looks generic. Yeah, Yeah. it's blue. And yeah. there's no definition to it, so you have no idea what it is. And they reference a fight with a Joker that I don't know how many issues ago happened. Yeah, that, but... that happened in the past with Bruce. Chris, did you realize this was Mr. Freeze right away? Or did you just assume since I he was, was a cool-looking dude? Yeah, it was just the assumption that he was in a block of ice. And I noticed the previous mention earlier uh, to the Joker, and I was like, you mean when he was dressed up as a director earlier? I have no idea what's going on still. Overall, this issue by itself was actually kind of entertaining, but... For the run as a whole, still terrible. Yeah, it was more of a Renee Montoya issue because she was dealing with Mr. Freeze more yeah. than Batman was. So Mr. Freeze from Chris mentioned a previous, or you guys mentioned previously, was in cahoots with the Joker. And he ended up getting frozen in a block of ice, I guess. And it was in Gotham River. And he gets fished out and goes to the morgue. They don't say it's Mr. Freeze. They just say, we found this guy and put him in the morgue. And they're going to do an autopsy. And he wakes up. It doesn't help that Kelly Jones, the way he drew Mr. Freeze on the cover for this, looks like the abominable snowman or some type of ice giant. Yeah. He looks That's why I like thought it was some generic cold guy. Same. Same. We, we already dealt with three generic new guys. I figured, all right, they're going down this path of there was a Joker and an interlude somewhere. So we know he's coming back. But I figured it was just new guys just for a new Batman. I thought that's the way this yeah. theme was going, which kind of is yeah mr freeze wakes up and he's stalking the morgue and montoya goes down there of all people and has to hunt him down and save the i guess the morgue they're both at the morgue waiting for the body to thaw out yeah she steps away away. she steps away for a second to get some coffee and then that's when the yeah it does thaw out and a couple things that i liked in this issue one was that montoya figures out that batman may not be Batman. Yeah. It might not be Bruce because he doesn't recognize Mr. Freeze. Uh, yeah, he mentioned he, he's confused on who the guy is. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't recognize him. So she thinks that it's not the same 
Batman, which we know right. that's true. The funny thing is that Mr. Freeze looks at Batman and he's like, how long have I been in stasis? Cause you're not Batman. Like he looks so futuristic to him. He thinks it's been years. He's been frozen yeah. as opposed to probably a couple months, but it wasn't even a, like Mr. Freeze didn't even put up much of a fight. I don't know what his motivation was, but the whole time he's like freaking out cause people are stealing the cold and they mentioned that if, if he realized it, that it was the dead of winter, he would have just walked out the front door and been fine. Yeah. But he's basically attacking everybody because he, he like kills the electricity of the building because he wants to stay cold. And he's just freaking out and trying to kill Montoya in the... Because uh, he thinks it's summertime. Well, he, 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 he says that they're stealing the cold. Right. And the funny thing is, the one, the ridiculousness is, he's got like a bone saw there that all it is is like the handle and the blade spinning. It looks like a pizza cutter, but it's an electronic bone saw. And I'm like, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah. This was just a decent single issue, but it still was confusing. We already mentioned, I didn't know this was Mr. Freeze until the end. So fine, I guess. So the next issues are a crossover with Catwoman that was mislabeled the search, which is actually part of the crusade. So don't get confused about that. They even admitted that was a fuck up on their end. I did not like this. This seems to be like a repeating thing, but this crossover also sucked. Batman's horny as hell. Yeah, that, which is kind of funny. He's super fucking horny. Chris, did you get any of that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, he has wet dreams about Batman's Catwoman. Thirsty. Yeah, he got fucking wet dreams. And you know what? Can you can you give us the cliff notes of this uh, whole crossover, Chris? Was it confusing for you? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, try your best to remember because I had to reread this crossover twice just to figure out what the fuck was going on. God, I don't even know where to begin with it. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, Catwoman... It, is look it starts with her looking at cat pictures dead cats on the internet i guess dead cats and cities that are just, we just saw those are trying to demonstrate blah 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 like i, I don't know man i <laughs> i can't i can't even well, it's your, all your about connection was your connection was also angry <laughs> it's just all about yeah I, I like the part of the story that actually was the cat woman arc i guess where it's about well i guess they're they're not really eco terrorists they're just they're supposed to be eco well there there's two they're Hmm. See, this is how it's, confusing it's, the story it's, is. It's, it's All right, basically I, PETA are it's PETA. trying to stop all these corporations. This was, again, back in the 90s, back when we had the big, everybody's cutting down the rainforest scare stuff. Well, that's still happening today. Buddy. Well, I know, but this is when it started. So that's the whole premise of this. And the whole thing is that there's this giant conference happening in Gotham, and they recruited a scientist that <laughs> created... A really yes. dangerous gas. And he didn't realize he was creating it because apparently he's so smart, but he might actually have a learning disability is my guess because he's one of those geniuses that doesn't realize what he's doing. Yeah, so he they wanted a gas that doesn't work unless there's a catalyst gas. Well, that, but that makes but sense. But he didn't know about that, which he should have if he's a scientist. Well, no, I think he, he, made it, he made it with the catalyst. He made, he made the gas and he knew he needed the catalyst, but he didn't realize what they were going to use the gas for oh, for some stupid yeah, reason. Yeah. He didn't realize they were going to use this to destroy and wipe out the rainforest and all these animals. So Catwoman and her, we'll call them eco-terrorists, but they're actually not because they don't really want to hurt anybody. They try to stop all of this. So the first thing that happens is Catwoman goes and tries to steal a barrel, one barrel, even though there's tons of barrels in this warehouse. That's, of a, that's where this whole thing falls apart yeah. for me. So she's at, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, they did a horrible job of actually. Here. Yeah, she steals the one barrel. There's more barrels out there that they could easily get access to, so they can't create this gas. 
This is like she, they make it seem like this is the only barrel that anyone can grab. But people think that she's the terrorist now because she's going to create the gas. Well, Batman sees her escaping the warehouse right. and thinks something's so up. So him and the cops are going after her. But she finally explains that, no, this isn't it after some cat and mouse and a little bit of fighting here and there. But some of her eco-terrorist buddies take that gas and they want to get the people that are going down or mowing down the rainforest and they have to be stopped now before they can unleash that gas. Yeah. And they stop them. Two of the guys basically hide in the group that they're more pacifists. They just want to stop them. Yeah. But two of them base are actual real terrorists. They re-kidnap the scientist, have him create gas for him yes. to put in the, even though this is a really modern building, it's the oldest ductwork in Gotham, which is yeah. really funny. And he actually just makes tear gas. So he makes some gas, but he lies to them and say, he tells them it is what they want, but it's just tear gas right. and blah, blah, blah. They save the day, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I like the environmental message yeah. in the story, and it made sense to me in Catwoman because she's all about the animals. Right. It took too long. It was like a Guy Ritchie movie that had no editor. It, and there's me. another story coming up here that, again, I feel like it was, it was a wasted story on this character because it would have been better with regular Batman. And there's another one coming up that I think would have been better off with Bruce Wayne Batman. And we'll get to that when we get to it, I'll say. Chris, do you have anything else to say about the story? No, it was just, I, I don't know. I never really liked uh, Catwoman as her own central character. So like to go into her series with this, uh, like Jonathan said, I do like the environmental themes. I think it's good for kids, but it was just so boring and yeah. weird because it's not like just this, this entire run feels like it's not really batman it feels like a batman parody an imitation which was kind of supposed to be the point but they even failed on that execution it feels but what made me feel really uncomfortable was batman's horniness in this entire thing he yeah that was really weird he lets catwoman escape several times because he's he wants to fuck her he says in so many words that he wants her or he needs to be with her so I decided to bring up something that would help facilitate that. Oh, so boy. Here we it's go. a little bit of story time for you guys. I skipped ahead a little bit because this guy has, I don't know, 8 million fucking words for this fan fiction I found. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm going to give the cliff notes in the beginning. Batman and Robin failed to get a bad guy. And Robin was going to go home and it was a joker. Okay. So, is this Asbats, by the way? No, this is this is regular Batman. There's not a lot of erotic fan fiction on Asbats I could find on. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's why I thought this I'm was sure going. I'm sure it exists, but I didn't have time. We'll get hit next time. Batman turned off his communicator and began slowly walking to his old room, room 116, in the east wing of the building, as the one last place he hoped the clown might be. Oh, okay. So he's looking for the Joker in this old building. As he walked, he couldn't help himself but reminisce about the other parts of his college career. Ordering pizzas at 2 a.m., watching crappy old movies with a few classmates, or sitting alone in his dorm at night, his hand wrapped softly around his cock, <laughs> jerking quickly and stifling his moans in the closest pillow. The bat suit began to tighten around his crotch as he wondered how much adolescent cum has been draped among the sheets of the bed, both by him and since he's been gone. The door to the room was a mossy green. Whether by design or age, he did not know, but he tried the door which he remembered always refused to lock without extensive efforts. The door gave way, feeding him into the small room that had hardly changed since he left. A bed shoved into the back left corner of the room with a small television on the opposing wall, a small desk pressed against the left wall, and a door to the bathroom next to the television. 
it was scantily decorated to the point where Bruce was unsure if anyone was actually rooming there this year. He now noticeably bothered by his protrusion of the waist, <laughs> decided to climb atop the bed that held him years before. His gloved hand brushed over the top of his waistband, holding back his erect penis, sending chills up his spine as a hint of pleasure to come. He had never thought of... <laughs> <laughs> he had... <laughs> he had... He had never thought to jack off in the bat suit before. His, his hand found its way under the pants of his suit and wrapped firmly around his dick under the soft texture of the glove. It almost felt like someone else's hand. And the realization caused his penis to bulge with excitement. How much longer is this? As he slowly dragged his foreskin up underneath the suit, he heard the toilet in the bathroom flush and he froze, <laughs> glancing over at the room. Despite the annoyance and surprise his brain was forcing upon him, his cock kept pulsating excitedly, not deterred by the all-new development. From the bathroom, a girl dressed as a cat with a leather skin-tight suit steps out. Oh Goggles God. rested on her forehead as she looked down to see the bat lying on the bed, his hand unmistakably <laughs> down his pants. She purred softly under her breath. Almost immediately, his hands were out of his pants, pushing himself off the bed. He quickly moved to grab Catwoman's arms and, holding them behind her back, pressed her up against the wall. What are you doing here, Selena? Batman asked of the leather-clad villainess. She kept purring despite the uncomfortable arm lock that Bruce held her in. What does this have to do with the Joker? He asked again. Oh, wait. <laughs> what does this have to do with the Joker? <laughs> I thought she was asking that. He asked again, lifting her arms, causing her to yelp a bit in pain. He's mad at you, Bruce. Oh, so she knows his identity in this. He wants to see you squirm as your adversaries pin you one by one in places you called home. Nowhere is safe, Batman. Nowhere is safe. She said in a faux dramatic way, purring to herself once again. What's in this for you, Catwoman? Batman asked. Catwoman and the Joker have never been allies or even acquaintances, as far as Bruce knew. She found him coarse and crazy and refused to work with him on many occasions. Oh, Bruce, 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 don't you know all I want is to hear you moan? She thrust her butt backwards, lightly grazing against Bruce's still erect penis, eliciting a slight moan of Bruce. <sighs> That was somewhere between pleasure and awkward pain. In that moment, his grip weakened, allowing her to sneak from his grip and turn to... Wow, this, this English is really bad. His grip and turn <laughs> oh, so that she, she was facing him. She now stood, leather-bound, biting her lower lip in front of the hero. Put your dick away, Jonathan. <laughs> she pulled her mask back, revealing her treated blonde hair, which accented her shining blue eyes and supple blood-red lips. As she pulled him into a kiss, at first he thought to resist but he couldn't as he felt some small wetness in the suit where he had leaked pre-cum. <laughs> leaked pre-cum? As they kissed, <laughs> as they kissed, her tongue slid into his mouth and her delicate claw crept down beneath his waistband, grasping at his restrained cock. When she grabbed it, she heard him ga gasp against her mouth and began to move forward, rubbing her thumb against the tip, smearing it with his own pre-cum. He was almost excessively moaning, Oh! And she decided that the bat needed some release. She knelt down, slowly peeling away his black pants, letting his dick out at full mast, which she judged to be about six and a half inches. All right, average, I guess. What? It's pretty small. Jeez. Humble brag. She now held a firm grip of his member and began to slowly tease his cock, moving the foreskin up and down in a slow rhythm. As she did, Bruce fell back onto the bed in a sitting position, allowing her mobility to progress as she liked. Purring, she moved her mouth beneath the shaft as she continued to jack him off, quickly lapping at his balls. With her tongue, Bruce moaned in pleasure. Catwoman leaned in further, taking half his sack into her mouth, massaging it with her tongue, feeling more pre-cum leaking from his dick. She purred, sending vibrations from his balls to his cock and pleasing and pleasure arcing 
through his entire body. Don't worry, we're almost done here. Ugh, ugh. Bruce panted through the treatment. Selena, I'm going to come. She quickly moved from his sack. <laughs> she quickly moved from his sack to lick up the length of his shaft, then continued stroking faster and faster, hoping to affect the bat. She noticed her own suit feeling incredibly wet and cursed herself for focusing too much on the hand job. She decided she'd have to get him later. Stand up, Bruce, she commanded, holding his cock in her hands. I want you to come on my face, Bruce. Come on my fucking face. <laughs> Batman quickly stood and stroked him fiercely. Wait. Batman quickly stood and she stroked him fiercely, her mouth open underneath his cockhead. Come on, Bruce. I need a bath. I've been so naughty. I need it, Bruce. I need it. <laughs> she continued to stroke him at an accelerated pace. With each tug, he could feel himself getting closer and closer. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. I want it so bad, she mused. And this begging pushed him over the edge as cum spurted over from his cock into her face and costume, some getting in her mouth, allowing her to swallow it down. That was fun, she admitted, standing up from the ordeal, using her fingers to pull up his cum and place it in her mouth, loving the taste. We should do it again sometime, she stated, pulling the window of the dorm open and slowly crawling out. Batman lay there on his bed for a bit, feeling his placid wet cock against his skin. He pulled his pants back on, wondering if what just happened was real, then turned his communicator back on and informed Robin he was on his way back. <laughs> As he crawled into the bed that night, Bruce couldn't help but remember his experiences with Catwoman, how she and he have been close as kids, teens experimenting with each other, and the events of the night played back again and again in his head until his penis was screaming for release. He turned his television on, finding some adult-contented channel, that's a weird way of saying that, in which a blonde girl was being fucked by two men simultaneously and wrapping his hand around his cock again. Thus was the new ritual of the Batman. Yikes. <laughs> Did you just say Yikes. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so there's there's your little horniness for Batman. I figured wow. with him with him talking about how he wanted Catwoman, I figured I'd find a Batman. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that, by the way. Um, it would have been better if it was Azbats. Well, I just imagine John Paul instead of Bruce, and there you go. <laughs> that story sucked ass. So <laughs> The one you just read or the Batman we no, read? The, read. The, so far, the fan fiction was the best fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. All right, so... We got a Joker story that's interesting. Yes, that's I don't want to go too long on this. Is my famous words the? I think this might be the best part of the entire story. Is Joker with yes. long ass hair trying to fund the death of Batman as a movie, and he gets producers to back him on it, but but at gunpoint, and essentially turns into the Joker getting funded by movie producers to kill Batman, and he kind of has a movie theme, but he doesn't really give a shit about the movie. There's Siskel and Ebert cameos in here. As part of his henchmen, yeah, and they that he shot. later murders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I think this is a really good Joker story. It's funny, and then the best part is the fact that Joker realizes that it's not Batman. Yes, and he, his, when he's fighting some of his henchmen, he's just recognizing like the brutality of Batman and just the tactics, and it's not the same. And he's not going after the person he kidnapped. Because at the beginning of the story, there was some weird masked movie-looking guys, like old Universal monsters, stalking this woman. And that's Batman rescues her. Her name's yeah. Cindy something or other. And she's at a dorm room nearby, at a college dorm nearby, which Batman will later go on and check on her again. Cause yeah, because he gets horny for her, yeah, too. He gets, yeah, he gets... Yeah, he... I have weird. another story. No, 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 no. Yeah, he... <laughs> he definitely gets horny again because he's thinking about her. I have that right, written down my notes. Bats back to his horniness, patrols the dorm, telling himself he isn't horny. <laughs> but it turns out she was in on it all along. Uh, she was paid by the Joker to be this actress. But well, she's supposed to be paid. She hasn't been paid yeah, yet, she though. Didn't get, yeah, she didn't was, get paid. She was an actress. At one point, it, you don't find this out until after the fight's over. But when the Joker is having all his goons go after him and beat him up, 
she's also getting submerged underwater and the Joker realizes he's not going after her instead of fighting these goons and he's fighting the goons instead. And that's, and when you mentioned this brutality, he realizes it's not him. Catwoman realizes it's not him either. A lot of people seem to figure that out pretty fast, but Gordon, Jim Gordon throughout this entire thing is kind of in doubt, but he still thinks it's someone else as well. That's another recurring theme here as well. Chris, what did you, what did you like about the Joker story? Did you like the Joker story? So yeah, this was a really good story. Uh, the only really good story that we've got in a while for Asriel Batman. The movie theme stuff was really fun. I like the Casablanca reference, as you mentioned earlier. It's just painfully obvious that this is not Batman and oh. that the other characters are coming around to realize that as well. Right. I do like that Asriel straight up breaks his arms. Yes. Because Joker's Joker says that, oh, well, I guess I'm going back to Arkham. And he's like, fuck you, and breaks his arms even after he's captured. So I enjoyed that. But yeah, this I think the Joker story overall, where I'm showing my hand a little early, is probably the only good part of this story. Because the Joker, the Joker movie theme is fun. Changing, like he uses genres of movies and stuff to go after Batman. There's a big Godzilla foot that tries to attack. Yeah, him and a one movie studio. Yeah, yeah so the whole the whole Joker talking about Run this is a good. rewrite of a Batman, like a rewrite of a script using movie terminology, puns and stuff like that. It was really yeah. good. But Joker ends up escaping police custody. He headbutts a guy in an ambulance and he flies out of a the back of an ambulance on a gurney. <laughs> yeah, with arms. his arms arms broken. Yeah. The next story also sucks ass. I see what it was trying to do. Alan Grant seems to do more political type of stories. This was over in Shadow of the Bat where... This is the one where... I, this is the other story that I think would have been a lot better... With if, a regular Batman? With Bruce, yeah. yeah it's, where he... It's about immigrants and illegal adoption... Which, which can work on its own one shot, but it just it it doesn't belong with Asbats. It it would have been a really good story yeah. with Bruce. Yeah, he's too extreme. And it's just it's it's an illegal baby smuggling ring that he helps take down because this one illegal immigrant comes into the country and she wants to buy her son back because she originally sold him for next to nothing. Yeah, and I don't know. It's a bad story, Chris. Uh, yeah. For you guys said exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, the art still sucks. It's the tally man artist. Yes, it's he, he's bad. Yeah, sorry, Vince. We don't like your art better than I can draw. Still, void shadows of the bat on this. Yeah, except the last one. I think the last issue of Shadow of the Bat was the only decent one. It wasn't the same artist, but I like the. Um, excuse me, I like the second to last arc, but that's because I'm a fan of that character. Okay, and now we are going to glom this all up because this this is where we talk about how the stories used to be separate and you could read like the Joker story or the trigger twin story in their own books without having to read the other titles or the tally man story. If you want to do that, there is a guy named Avatar. Did you guys Abattoir? Do you guys know how to pronounce his name? That's what it looks like. I don't know. I, uh, I mean, you could do shadow. We could, we could okay. jump to shadow of the bat real quick. Cause when he gets the second suit, cause that's a standalone by itself almost. Well, he gets that during this whole arc. Okay. never mind. I mean, it, it references at the end of the issue, but all right, that's fine. Avatar is basically the end game for this run. This is his arch nemesis. Some fucking dork that doesn't seem to have any powers. It's all delusional in his head. He thinks he gets powers from killing his own family members. And he's killed 25 of them. And Batman is trying to take him down. I mean, he's a pretty creepy serial killer because like, the first scene we see of him is he goes into a crypt for one of his relatives. And, and just like, eats his bones. Yes. Well, he eats the marrow and just like whatever flesh is left on the bones, he eats it. And he... He's a psychopath, and he thinks that he gets his power from eating all of his relatives. Yeah, he looks like Mr. Hyde from Marvel, only not as bulky. But yeah, he's just a... Did you, guys know what an, did you guys know what an abattoir was? 
I was thinking about looking that up for research to be a professional, but I was hoping one of you guys did it, so I'm sure it's related. It's, but... it's another name for a slaughterhouse. That makes sense. Yeah. This this guy's out just to kill his, his relatives. Yeah, yeah. All everyone in his blood blood family. And Batman has to try and track him down. He fails at one point when he tries to kill his one cousin Graham. He was his cousin Graham was taking a bunch of kids on a camping trip or a ski trip and Batman fights him on this bus and Avatar flies out of the bus and escapes, which he later kidnaps Clayface's babies. Yeah, they I did not know there was twenty six thousand different Clayface characters. There's three. Well, this is going three on, or four. I don't know. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, there's Clayface three. The characters call him Clayface three. They don't just say Clayface and Lady Clayface, who run off into the mountains of Gotham and they live out their lives because they're both ugly and they love each other and they have a baby and Avatar stumbles upon this baby and steals it and contacts Clayface to kidnap Graham, who's at some counseling session now because of the things that happened to him. Well, there's two things. It's They can get the baby back. So yeah, the first half of that issue, or the, there's it's two issues. And the first yes. one is Lady Clayface fights Batman and then we learn that they can get their their baby back with two stipulations. One being Graham is kidnapped, and the other one being that they kill Batman. Yeah, which goes completely out the window because Clayface Three is successful in getting. We're just going to call him Clayface and Lady. Yeah, Clayface. that's fine. Clayface gets Graham, and he gives him the Avatar, and Lady Clayface fails, but he still gets his baby. Which is just like, well, what the fuck? The point was that. What, what was the point? Well, and then here's the other thing that kind of pisses me off about this story. Well, it doesn't piss me off, but it just it showcases. Batman goes and saves the baby from hitting electrical lines and dying, which I don't know if he would have died because he's actually clay. And yeah. for those people that don't know who Clayface is... He's made of clay. Yeah, he's like an amorphic... Mor- amor- amorphic? Morphing. A morphing character. Yeah. And Lady Clayface is the same character. Clayface 3... That's the thing. It's really confusing. Clayface 3 is infected with some type of virus that... Burns people in the touch. Well, yeah. So it causes him so much pain. And then he can touch people, cause that he melts them. But when he does that, it eases his own pain for some yeah. weird reason. He transfers so, his pain to someone else yeah. by killing them. But Batman saves the baby, but then he lets Avatar basically get away with his cousin, which he knew he needs to get. And they don't refer- they don't mention that later on when we get back to this... Yeah. And a couple issues. Yeah, Avatar is successful in getting Graham, his cousin, to murder him in some elaborate, what is it, Chris, a nail bed? It's something. That's what I thought it was, a bed of nails, something like that. Yeah, it's it's a nail bed with every hour. Like It's some saw type and, of shit. Yeah, it actually is pretty. It drops weights on the chest. Yeah, every it, hour. It just compresses them onto the nails, yeah. Yeah, instead of just killing them outright, Avatar says, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll relish in the, your suffering. Your torture, so, yeah. Just some stupid way of making him not be killed right away. So he's on a ticking clock for Batman to find. But Batman won't find him for a bit. There's also another story where some guy, which, I don't know, he had some potential. The Corrosive Man. Did you guys like the the Mimosa Man? The Corrosive Man. (laughs) Did you guys like him? Not really. No? You guys? He reminds me too much of, what was the villain from, I mean, it's probably, that's where they got the idea, but the main bad guy from Batman Beyond. Oh, yeah. The Skeleton Boy. Well, he was like I don't know the, his name. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the, the radioactive guy. That's yeah. who he reminds me of. Yeah, I, I like the idea of the corrosive man, that type of power set. But the big thing here is Joe Public shows up. Oh, stupid bloodlines crap. Yes, Chris. Yeah. Do you remember bloodlines? 
What? Bloodlines, <laughs> a DC crossover from 94. I do not. Okay, so real quick. It's bad. That's all you need to know. Yeah, there, there was a and there was a crossover called Bloodlines in all the annuals that year and all the DC annuals. And it was a way of bringing new extreme characters into the DCU. Chris, you know of one of them. I know that for a fact. He's the most popular one that's come out of this alive and stuck around for a bit, which was Hitman. Oh, I was going to say oh, yeah. English, but okay. Hitman's fantastic. Yes. But here's a list of all the characters that have come out. And let me see if you can recognize any of them. Anima, Animus Summoning Grunge Rocker. Argus, Shadow Melding Undercover Agent. Ballistic, Korean-American hero and an armed and dangerous vigilante. Cardinal Sin, Disillusioned Priest. Chimera, Illusion-Creating Hero of India. Edge, Blade-Hurling Community Hero. Geist, Ghost Knightly Hero, ironically only become visible after dark. Gunfire, able to explosively convert matter to energy. Hitman, a hitman who gained the powers of telepathy and x-ray vision. Hook, a hook-handed former soldier. Jam, prodigious surfer dude. Joe Public, strength-siphoning patriot. Crag, stone-bodied hero, super strength. Layla, tough as nails, space explorer. Lionheart, armored high-tech knight, hero of Great Britain. Loose Cannon, super strong ex-cop. Mood ring version of Hulk whose colors change as he gets angrier. Don't worry, we're almost done here. Lariah, woman who could transform into living metal, super strong agent of Quorum. Mongrel, not Mongol, Mongrel, dark force blasting, African-American Vietnamese hero. Myrad, personality absorbing assassin. Nightblade, Chinese-American regenerating martial artist. He survived Mongol's destruction of Coast City over in the Reign of Superman story. I don't know why they threw that in there. Pax, last of his race, space shaman. Prism, Light-manipulating scientist, razor-sharp, sword-armed hacker, shadow strike with a Y instead of an I, tragic hero, dark force energy, slingshot, African-American heroine, power to give anything she touches an acceleration factor, sparks, lightning-wheeled heroine from Canada, terror smith, monster-making villain, question mark, and freight train, black Canadian mercenary with the ability to absorb kinetic energy and give himself super-dense skin, super-speed, and superhuman strength. So, Chris, that entire list... Did you recognize any of those characters? No, that all sounds fucking terrible. It's because it was. Almost all these guys were fucking killed off except for Hitman and I want to say Loose damage. Cannon. No, Damage was not in this. Jonathan was in the bathroom when I read all this because he already knows this. Meanwhile, <laughs> he, he wrote that, read that whole list and I came back and you're still reading it. Yeah. So that's pretty bad. And you guys know of, I mentioned two of them here, Ballistic and Joe Public. They're both in this. They shoehorned these new characters in throughout Everywhere. the entire year and none of them really lasted except for Hitman and I think to a degree, loose cannon. Gunfire also is a great gag. Is he the one that could shoot? He grabbed anything inanimate and it shot out. Yes, I thought his name was Arsenal for some reason, but you're thinking of you're probably thinking of a Malibu character that's similar to that, or Arsenal from. They're all generic characters and generic gun names. names. Yeah. yeah, but in the DC One Million crossover where it takes place in the far flung future, Hitman and his crossover issue, he. <laughs> He accidentally gets teleported by a bunch of nerds into the future, and they meet the heroes of the world of DC 1 million, and Gunfire 1 million is there, and he accidentally touches his own ass and blows himself up. It's, <laughs> it's a pretty good guy. It's Garth Ennis, so... It's Garth Ennis, so of course you're going to get that. Yeah, Joe Public teams up with Asriel to take out the Corrosive Man, where Joe Public's ability is to... He's a gym teacher for a kindergarten school, where... Yeah, I like how he's a gym teacher, and the first scene is him... 
cartwheeling over buildings. Yeah, he, he's jumping and doing the Spider-Man thing of yeah. grabbing a flagpole and like flipping yeah. all over the place. Oh, I need to become a gym teacher in Gotham City because they are he's, really he's fit. Wearing a, he's wearing a fucking leather jacket and a stupid baseball hat and that's it. But his power is, yeah, to siphon power from other people, no matter who it is. And the way they do it is, the way he's used is he absorbs corrosive man's power, Batman knocks him out, and they dump him in sand and give him his power back so Joe Public doesn't die. While this fight happens, this is where Jonathan mentioned that Batman's suit gets super damaged, and this is the Mark III suit where Batman gets a complete overall of his helmet, which is now just a visor and even more over-the-top image-looking gauntlets. They're even bigger. He'll get, I think, one more upgrade, at least in this storyline. But yeah. his claws are even bigger now. and more. He's more ridiculous in image-looking. Uh, this is the one we see a lot of when people mention Asriel Batman. There's also, yeah, we mentioned Ballistic shows up. Another shitty fucking Bloodlines character to help Batman take down or find uh, Avatar because Avatar's uncle put a hit out on him because Graham was missing or it sounds confusing. We sound like we don't know what we're talking about, but that's how fucking confusing and all over this is. I hated the Three Stooges. There's Three Stooges that Batman and Ballistic team up to go after. They're called Mojo, Shirley Moe, and Harry. Yeah, Surly Schmo and Harry. It, it's clear to them going after some punk rock versions of the Three Stooges. Again, awful. But I do like how Batman throws shade at Ballistic for being fucking lame. At one point, uh, they're in the Batmobile together, and Ballistic says, cool car, maybe we should team up some more. And Batman's like, and maybe you should just get out of Gotham after this is over. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, good. you fucking suck, man. And it's funny because they go to the person that put out the hit. The uh, the person that put out the hit, his butler or whatever the fuck, his lawyer took took care of it. So they go to the lawyer's house, and Batman asks where where the uh, if they have any leads or something. And they take the money from him. And he gives the money to Ballistic, and Ballistic's like, all right, I'm leaving town. That was that was their team up. He just took the money and left. A majority of these Bloodlines characters are dead or just forgotten. I think a lot of them died in Infinite Crisis, that crossover. Okay. Yeah. I'll take a word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, we get, we'll come back to Graham in a moment here, Graham and Avatar. But seriously, there's like, I want to say 10 issues of Batman trying to track down Avatar. The Joker gets a three-issue arc, and this fucker gets at least 10 of Batman trying to find him and the gun, the gun goons is what I called them. They, they look like yeah, fucking yeah. lame ass late eighties, generic ass DC characters where green spandex and stupid visors and they love guns. Yeah. They all. shoot guns. They're great marksmen. It's great. That's it. Is I, the only names that I found for them was bunny and Hawk. What they called each other. Is that actually their names? Or gun, they yes. Have... Yes. Gun Hawk and gun bunny. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, so they assassinate some high roller and well, because they're hit. Yeah, they're, they're hit big man. game hunters basically, yeah. and they're assassins. Right? Yeah, and they get away with it, but they come back for a giant prototype gun at some gun show. Oh yeah, which was a good bit because they go, they want to steal it. That's all they want to do. Yeah, and it's just a Gatling gun with a backpack, and they come in in their costumes and shoot up the place and steal it. But then you get a you get a panel of all the gun the gun show expo people there frightened, and in the next panel they're all smiling, pulling their guns out because they get an excuse to shoot them. Yeah, that's funny. Um, there's a shot in there where it's clearly Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan in the far ground in the foreground, just as patrons of the gun show. But during that whole firefight, Batman's costume gets fucked up again, and he realizes he needs to upgrade the costume again. And Gun Bunny takes a bullet to the gut or something she is shot yeah they she gets shot where. but they they run away and batman's there with his fucked up outfit he gets what i've always tweeted at marvel for 
I always tweet at Marvel to give Spider-Man a gun. That's all I want them to do. I don't know if they've muted me or what. Neither here nor there. But they give Batman a fucking gun. His gauntlet becomes a gun. And it's awesome. He even mentions that at the beginning of the story when he's shooting a shuriken. At the way beginning of the crusade, he says, man, this would have been better if I had a gun. But he doesn't go down that route. But after dealing with the gunfire and gun hawk... Well, he just turns his gauntlets into he now has a giant ass fucking ammo belt. Well, yeah, the he is semi-automatic and then full automatic, and it yeah. just rips things apart. Yeah. So, Batman is full fucking Rob Liefeld now. If he hasn't been, yet. yeah. <laughs> Did you like the gun, Chris? Did you like him having a gun? Yeah. So I like the guns on Batman. He's been shooting the batarangs the entire time, so it makes sense to have, give him just a bullet chain of them and make him tear people apart. Yeah, he has no qualms about killing when the system kicks in for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in my notes, fuck yes, Batman has a fucking gun in caps locks. <laughs> He's surrendered to the system is what he says. The system is fully taken over. He also tracks down, he, has, he gets in a firefight with the gun. It's a little bit out of order, but who cares? He gets in a firefight at the hospital, complete disregard for everyone else as he's going after Gunhawk, and he takes him down without killing him, which is kind of lame. I was expecting him to get killed. Uh, well, he fights the system there. Yeah, he, he ends up fighting it, which I don't think he should have. I think he should have just killed Gunhawk. He should have just killed all these new people to show how fucking dangerous and non-Batman he actually is. Yeah, he beats them up and leaves them to the cops. But one thing we skipped over that I wanted to do last was he finally tracks down Abattoir with Robin also tracking him down. Yeah. Uh, it's some property that the family owns, some abandoned property. And instead of saving Graham, who's on this torture device, this nail bed, he chases down Abattoir into a foundry where he kills, well, he never kills yeah, more you're people. Right. But he never, that's the thing. They don't mention the fact, we know, he never even says, I'm trying to track down Graham. He doesn't, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm he sorry. doesn't even really seem to, and like you said, this is where it gets confusing because the issues jump around a lot and it's the final stuff we just discussed with, uh, Gunhawk happened after the Avatar right. fight. That's why I said. But like, it's like more. all that stuff was supposed to actually, like the way that the issue starts in Detective with Gunhawk and when he upgrades to the automatic shuriken gun, it talks about all the stuff happening like in the same day. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's impossible. Why do this last. Yeah. yeah it was a little and so, yeah, but he never mentions Graham, which is kind of messed up that he doesn't remember that it was kill Batman and bring Graham so that clay faces could get their baby back. And he saves the baby and he completely misses the fact that the car drives off with the cousin that he wants to kill. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty stupid on his part that he doesn't even really remember that and doesn't try to save him. And it, it, by the end of this, it just proves that actually, in my opinion, that he actually is a really crappy fighter because the way the whole fight pans out for all the gadgets he has, he never uses them correctly. Whereas he doesn't do detective work. He, he mentions that, Oh, maybe detective work is a good thing. Cause he, he does that somewhere. In he does world. it a little bit, but yeah, it, but you know. he, it's just brute force and he doesn't care about the system takes over. So he doesn't care about the innocence or the people he's trying to rescue. He tries to go after the bad guy first, which yeah. is, which is a good theme to have, which I, I liked what happened here where he didn't rescue Graham. He just went after avatar instead he they go into a foundry and avatar is also just killing people left and right he doesn't batman thinks it's just nowhere to run nowhere to hide but he's still killing innocent people in this terminator 2 ass foundry avatar trips and he's hanging on a chain above this oh no he doesn't trip semantics avatar no no and that's the thing that's stupid is that avatar is they're over top of a big vat of molten metal and they're on a catwalk and Avatar was gonna. He, he he throws a giant wrench at Batman, which first off, Avatar is not yeah, super I strong. That. And it, I'm like, he cannot. Shrunk. He can. He could maybe pick that up, but 
but he couldn't lunge that thing at you at him unless it was style. It was like a, yeah, it was like a five foot wrench. It was yeah. almost as big as him. But and it, so it seemed Batman, like it shrunk when he threw it at Batman. Yeah, well and so Batman lunges at him and he knocks him off the ledge. Avatar grabs a chain that's right there, but he's basically over top of the vat, so all that heat's coming up. Batman uses his grappling hook and gets away, and then he's debating whether he should save him or kill him. Yeah, he's and dangling this, above a fountain. And, and we we skipped over this where it's previous issues where they start. He starts to have those weird visions of Saint Dumas and, and then his, his father. father which, but it's like the angel and the devil now. Yeah, but it, it, it I don't know how the system between. like made him like actually see these visions and made him go batshit completely insane. And at this point, he's talking to them, telling them, "What should I do? Let me decide what to do." Robin comes in. Watches Avatar, who deserves to die, in my opinion. He loses his grip and just melts. Robin's like, he just let him die. And it's like, well, technically you did too. But yeah, he yeah. just, he's freaking out and he doesn't pay attention to the fact that he loses his grip. Yeah, Saint Dumas is telling, the vision of Saint Dumas is telling him to kill him, kill the sinner. And his father is saying the opposite of save him and destroy the, the sin. It was. It was some stupid religious thing, but it was essentially a angel on one shoulder, a devil on the other. Save him and protect everyone else or just kill him and be done with it. And he says, fuck it. I'll let you two deal with it. And he walks away from it all. And yeah, lets him die. Then there was a fallout issue from that where Gordon... Well, because then the last panel is it shows him hours later. He's still in the Batcave, like freaking out because he's got like... Yeah. A, he can't figure it out. System. And we see Graham die. Yeah, he because at this point, Graham. all the weights drop and he dies. Yeah, and panel. he never mentions that he doesn't even realize that Graham is there. Right. So Because the system took over. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I, and, you know, shame on Robin, too, for not. Eh, he's 16. Fuck yeah. it. But there, then, then there's an issue where Gordon finally comes to terms that this is not Batman. Fuck this guy. They find Graham's body. Or, well, he, he flat out, he turns a signal on. He flat out calls him. Out. him yeah. Are you. You're not the same person. He, he, yeah, he figures that out. And then Batman says that he's going to cleanse the city and protect, quote unquote, decent people. And he, he does the whole, I killed one to save many. I let one die to save many. So fuck you. Miracle is also endorsing Batman. He's becoming more authoritarian throughout. He became more authoritarian throughout this entire story arc. Is up. Well, we did, we glazed over that. That's probably going to come up somewhere in Night's End, I would imagine. But Miracle's in favor of this Azrael Batman. Well, Gordon is not. Yeah, yeah, that's it. really. Uh, Chris, uh, we, did we miss anything else? We skipped over Showcase ninety four number seven. Oh, did you, is that worth? Uh, it's just I liked it. actually out of all the books besides the Joker. Chris, did you read that issue? Showcase. It wasn't in his trial. Oh, okay. It's yeah. it's a the issue is the Penguin had kidnapped Sarah, gonna, or his wife. Yeah, and it's just uh, the whole thing is. Penguin and Jim Gordon in the uh, interrogation room bantering back and forth. It was a dialogue issue. Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually pretty good. And it's pretty good. <laughs> you can't, you don't have anything else to say about it? Well, no, I have to. The issue's good. And it just shows Gordon, he ends up losing his cool. He actually almost throws Penguin off the roof because it hits. The whole thing was that at midnight, his wife was going to die. Penguin was goading him the whole time, saying how you had the bat signal on now for 30 minutes and Batman's not showing up. And it was all about the fact that Penguin also realized that this isn't the same Batman, too. Yeah. And Gordon telling him, you're just freaked out because you're, you've seen how this new Batman is, how extreme he is, and you're scared as hell to go up against him. Yeah. Chris, did we miss anything else? Anything you wanted to go over? Uh, not that I could think of. Um, yeah, it's just what you guys said. Yeah, it's... This thing was such a good idea that fucking failed on me. Uh, 
uh, scores. Let's let's go with you first, Chris, since you talked the least. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three, and that's being generous. Okay. Yes. The only saving part for it was the Joker story. Uh, was very fun to read, mm-hmm. and just. It was just a slow, very slow progression of, hey, this isn't Batman. Hey, it's not Batman. And it's like, yeah, we know. Can we fucking get Batman, please? Yeah. John? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm actually going to say four. I think it's I think it's worth reading for the progression of the story. The Joker is a highlight. Like I said, that showcase is the best issue, I think. It's worth reading for anybody. They had a lot of really good potential with this character, and they were just rushing to get back to Bruce Wayne and they threw him too many jobbers, too many worthless characters. I can understand some of them, but it it was just a waste. It was a waste of a lot of potential. I gave it a three, just like Chris. I I agree with you guys both. The Joker was the best part of the story, I think. And what you said about the waste of potential, they want to do an extreme version. This is not your dad's Batman. This is why we want Batman back and why this image stuff doesn't work. But the execution of it was just awful right out the gate. You have him defeating Bane, and you go after some stupid cowboys, and then a robot mercenary, and the tally man, and the Joker is there, but not really. We we There's so many other villains that you could have taken advantage of. Like I mentioned, Killer Croc was still out there somewhere. You could have done something better with Mr. Freeze instead of re- relegating him to a horror basement monster type of deal. Yeah, that was just a horrible Montoya. story. KG Beast at the time was still a huge thing. He actually beat Batman. Yeah, which would have been interesting because he was also a more extreme character. Deathstroke, you could have had Deathstroke in there. That would have worked. I'm all for new characters, but when you go from the caliber of someone like Bane to stupid cowboys. Well, it's just like I said, they they knew what they were doing with the fact that they were trying it. And you knew that in a couple months, Bruce Wayne was coming back. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like, I'm going to compare this character. And, and I'm sure there's been other extreme takes on characters, but the most recent one that was successful in my opinion was superior spider-man that even though i know a lot of people hated dan slot his whole run on spider-man is great because yeah, he stuff happened yeah and there was impacts of what happened yeah and superior spider-man doc ock takes over for peter park hijacks his brain and he thinks he can do a better job it's a modern version of this it was written better superior spider-man is the better version of this. Yes, story. it was just that they he Dan Slott when he wrote that and what Marvel knew what they were doing that they plotted it correctly yeah. and they gave it the amount of time that it needed to tell the story they wanted to tell. Whereas with this, we'll have to count the issues and we'll have to do this. But what you said, Batman was bi monthly at this point. You think? I think it was bi weekly at points, like not completely, but like or bi weekly. But it's just that they were just rushing. They were just getting to the end game of Bruce is broken. He's coming back. It was just a rush. So on the docket, it looks like we got just a few episodes left of this storyline before it's over. I I haven't read Night's End either. So it's going to be interesting how that goes. I know bits and bobs of it from just reading reading wikis. I don't know. Maybe it'll be better because Batman's back. Because Azrael works way better as a villain, clearly. As someone that's gone power hungry straight to his head. Now the system's taken over. It's written that way yeah i'll be um, honest i'm really looking forward to reading the search because i never read it before yeah and now reading the search now and then going right into night's ends i've read night's end before and i like night's end uh-huh. but with the two combined i think it's going to make it better okay. we got an email here chris if someone was to email us where would we uh send that email to the runpod at gmail.com jonathan that is the runpod at gmail.com i got this email here I said, hey, guys, I saw what I guess is Dave 
spamming this podcast and promoted tweets for health insurance. That's true. I, I just dropped a link there because if you're going to put a fucking promoted tweet in my timeline, I'm just going to spam it. Who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> anyways, I decided to listen to it and it's not bad. Uh, thanks, I guess. <laughs> and I'm still listening. Okay, there's that. But my question is, Chris mentioned onomatopoeia in one of the previous episodes, and it made me think of Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith in the mid early to mid-2000s was a pretty explosive writer as well as controversial, where he started many projects and didn't finish them, or they took forever. So my question is, do you guys prefer stories that never end, or would you prefer them to be resolved by other character or other writers? Thank you. He's talking about Kevin Smith. I think what he's saying is, do you prefer them to be finished or unfinished or finished by a different person? Kevin Smith was pretty famous for having delays in his writing. Spider-Man and Black Cat, the evil that men do. Not a great story, but it took a while, but he finally finished it after a few years. Daredevil, the target, never, never finished. finished. I think his Green Arrow towards the end of his run also was plagued by delays. Chris, uh, what do you think? Do you prefer, would, for instance, would you like the target to be finished? Do you want him to go back and do it? Do you give a fuck? I would like him to go back and finish it. I think that a creator should finish what they started. Looking at you, Mark Miller with War Heroes. <laughs> or Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Mark Miller and Rob Liefeld but, on Young um, Blood Bloodsport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, w I would rather have the original artist go back and finish it as opposed to someone else coming in and kind of like chopping up the work. Um, you said artist. I, what about the I writer? I feel like with uh, oh, that's what I meant, the writer. Okay. Uh, Writers are also artists, man, don't you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Daredevil, for example. Bendis was writing it, and then Brubaker was writing it. It was fantastic. And then Andy Diggle came in with Shadowland, and I felt like it was fucking awful. So I think if a creator really has a true vision, he should follow through with that vision. Um, I understand it's kind of hard with comic books since they really don't have an end per se, but I would like to see one story, one art team, finished and like open and closed yeah john uh no i agree it kind of depends though on the story for the most part i feel like a lot of books that haven't been finished like yeah they should all be finished and the only one that i know that i don't care anymore i was really annoyed at the time because i liked the idea of what they were doing but never got finished because of mcfarland i think i don't know who dropped the ball on image united yes that's which what was, was bring up. cool idea and for those of you who don't know it was a crossover for all the image characters but every, the original image creators. Yes. But every creator, all their characters were all in, in it, like Spawn, uh, Savage Dragon, Youngblood, Darkhawk, I think Force, was in there. Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk. But each individual creator drew their own characters in the book. So you had all this different art in the same panel, basically, with characters interacting. Yeah. And Robert Kirkman, I don't think we started on that guy. I won't. He was writing it, made it to two issues, and then it just disappeared. As far as I know, it was McFarlane was really the delay on that. It was such a cool idea, and yeah. I don't understand. I Everybody gets busy. Don't get me wrong, but I'm here every time we need to record this, and I'm working yeah. six tens in freaking Ohio. Yeah. I mean, everybody's busy, but like you said. He has fuck you money. He but has that, so that doesn't money matter. Doesn't like, I'm sorry, but that's... Yeah. yeah, well, he literally is saying fuck you to all the readers because he doesn't care about – I mean, it's unfortunate that he's got to the point where he can't. He can basically do that. But yeah. like you said, Chris, this is your story, your vision or whatever it is. You should see it to the end and finish it so yeah. that those of us paying good money for this stuff aren't sitting there with crap on our shelves yeah. that's just wasted – and that's, that's all hearsay as well. We don't know because they're all 
with the exception of Larson, who still puts out Savage Dragon, usually monthly, they all had their snags of delays. Liefeld, Silvestri, Valentino. I understand that. delays, yeah. and don't get me wrong. Well, I'm not, not going to throw it all on McFarlane, though, because even Eric Larson still gets tweeted about it, and he's just like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's just it didn't happen. He doesn't like tell anyone what happened. I, I think they're probably so close that they don't want to yeah. throw somebody under the bus. Yeah, We don't know exactly and who. It could have been multiple. Last I heard, it was McFarlane was the big yeah. issue. But that's but also a logistics thing. Imagine writing up something and then passing it along and giving it to someone else. I'm sure it's easily digitally now. but Yeah, you're right. And you're, you're right. It was a big undertaking. But guess what? You said you're going to do it. Guess what else was a big undertaking? Marvel Infinity War. Yeah. I mean, you figure, you know, they, everybody was, you know, at the time, it was like, how are you going to get all these characters get together? How are you going to get all this stuff to work? How are you going to get all this to work? Yeah, but the movie is. I, well, I know it's, it's a movie. I know it's different. But what I'm getting at is you set the bar, and it wasn't like anybody else did it. You got, you know, they themselves did this. They said this was going to happen. You need to finish, follow through with yeah. it. Or publicly come out and actually have a real announcement that says, this is why we apologize for all you guys. Let me refund you your money because you wasted money on these books Yeah, because they're worthless now. I I personally think, I don't know how it is nowadays, but back then you should have your outline done, have the story beats because if something like the Kevin Smith Daredevil Target thing happens or Image United, I, I, eh, if it's an artist thing on Image United, that wouldn't work. But for writing things, they should be able to finish it with someone else if that's the case because he didn't really have an ending to that story because... Well, didn't came out didn't like uh, Bendis finish the story? He picked up parts of it with Bullseye. Yes. Yeah. In, in the Daredevil proper run he had, I think it was Daredevil 50, where he has a showdown with Bullseye. Bullseye is dressed in the way that he was revamped in that book. but From the movie. Yeah. Something to that effect. But still, it was you wouldn't know unless you sought that stuff out. Daredevil was still kind of an underseller, even though it was excellent in my opinion. But I think there should... I'm sure it is nowadays, but there should be an outline so someone else can pick up the yeah. ball. No, I agree. I mean, if someone can't finish it, oh, well. And you can always – it's the same thing as just a new creative team. So if you don't like what the new writer did on this original storyline, fucking oh, well. Because nowadays it's just editors anyways plotting out everything for the writers to do. Um, anything else from you, Chris? That's just about it. Yeah. yeah. I apologize, Chris. You've been – kind of quiet but i know you've been sick as well so yeah i'm dying yeah <laughs> well hopefully you won't die before but not really we, hopefully you won't die before we get to the next episode which is going to be not the search or night's end but batman punisher lake of fire it was a crossover between marvel and dc the first one in 12 years until next time chris till next time Yep, I guess that's our that's our going out thing. We still haven't figured that one out. Uh, yeah, until next time. Yeah, until next time, fellas. Wow, you stuck with the show to the end. This show was produced and edited by me, as well as those oh-so-lovely vocals were by me. Also, a special thank you to Kimberly Lee for the show art. You can see more of her work at KimberlyLeeArt.Weebly.com. If you truly enjoyed this, please share it and tell a friend and vote us five stars on whatever podcast platform you use, as that would help us out tremendously. Thank you so much for listening.